Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm Hello. Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. Um, we're here to help you. If you are a struggling parent with a spirited child, um, we want to help you level up your discipline game, right? Choose powers beyond control. Um, parent for, as we call, sanity and social change, right? Mm-hmm. Within our homes, parent in a different way, right? That's more harmonious, that's more respectful. And then also parent in a way that creates greater social change based on the child that we are releasing into the world someday. Right. Yeah, that's Someday, the idea. Sooner than later. <laughs> no, keep no. them home as long as as long as they can be. Yeah. But so this is our our Wait, weekly. We don't have our mics on. Oh shit! We did it again. Every every one of these, we messed something up. <laughs> Grab those mics. Um, so we like talking about um, our privilege. Let's talk about that for a second. We're cis, white, straight, able-bodied white women. I said white again. Sometimes I say it like four times. We're super white. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have not just this opportunity to be connecting with our kids and building this incredible relationship and wonderful people, but to um, responsibility. <laughs> but a responsibility uh, to be breaking these cycles um, of control, of, of oppression, um, these culturally conditioned um, conventional wisdom models that say, it's okay to dominate the people below you. That's how you work. Power goes down. Respect goes up. Um, that's kind of the norm, right? So we love coming here twice a week. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to hold on to our twice a week um, vibes here. If we can make it happen to be holding space for what your struggles are, for what your challenges are in those moments with your kids, those um, big spirited moments, challenging behaviors, sensitive feelings, lots of big feelings, lots of emoting. 
I was looking at a lot of our DMs that we haven't gotten the chance to write back to this week, uh, this month, uh, the last few months. And, um, there's so many consistent themes throughout them. One big theme is getting partners on board. A lot of dudes being like, why do I have to do it this way? That doesn't make sense. That's not how I was raised and I turned out fine. A lot of, um, a lot of parents saying, how do I get them on board with this? I believe in it. It matters to me. Mm-hmm. What can I do? That's a big question that comes up. Another big question that comes up a lot is um, kids mean words. A lot of parents feeling a little bit verbally abused, a little trodden on, a little walked all over um, with quote unquote disrespectful language of our kids, which is such a tricky one too. Mm -hmm. As their brains are growing, as their vocabularies are growing, gets even trickier, right? Um, What else? Oh, a lot of uh, sibling bopping. That's a big one that comes up in all of our live Q and A's is they keep hitting the dog. They keep hitting their sibling, the baby sibling, keep them safe. How do I do this? They're, they're everywhere all at once. I can't do it. Right. What else comes up Han? Oh man. We'll leave it to you all to fill in. That's why we're here. Um, let we're us here know listen. how you're doing, what you're struggling with. We'll try to shed some light based on the trainings we've done, the reading we've done, um, lessons learned through life experience for kids. Um, in two years, um, spirited, sensitive kids, mm-hmm. um, challenging kids, right? We know we see you, all of you out there who are, um, the parent of the kid who's always the biter kid. Who's always the one struggling at the birthday party. The one who's always the one pushing back in those transitions, whether it's just to get the shoes on, whether it's to go to school for the year, whether it's to, um, get handed off to grandma, um, to hang out, whether to put the screen away, whatever it is. Um, we see you, we see your struggle. Test, test, test. Um, we, we know a lot of people who struggle with, you know, sleep loss and trying to get all those mouths fed and so many things. And then add the additional struggle of like a million meltdowns a day, a lot of, you know, um, challenges, resistance a day. Um, and I think that what we like to try to do is to look at our kids resistance as a roadmap for us. So when our kids resist us, that's our ding ding, what we call, that's the moment that we get to say, Hmm, this is interesting information. Where is this resistance coming from? Usually we just want to be like, just cut that shit out. Make it stop. stop. Right. Do not resist me. I'm your parent. Um, so what we like to do is we like to get curious about it. And then we like to use our resist approach, right? Which is, um, a way that we can engage respectfully with our children's resistance to be resisting those greater cultural influences that we mentioned earlier that tell us to dominate people below us, that tell us to basically accidentally perpetuate things that we don't want. Mm -hmm. White patriarchy, racism, Mm -hmm. hate, oppression, abuse of power, right? In the the name of teaching. Right. Abuse of privilege. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of privilege and power as parents. And it looks like my mic isn't working. I don't know what's going on here. It's okay. You can, it'll pick up on mine. Okay. I'll switch it to my, to my right breast. Okay. Thanks, Kel. You're welcome. We'll figure uh, this out. We have it super together over here. Oh yeah. Right. You know that about us. Do, 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 do. Hmm. Yeah. Go figure. Whatever. Um, How's everyone see doing? all streaming in. We've got a lot of comments here yeah. already to dive into. Uh, Let us know what's happening. Sensitive, spirited, discipline, big feelings, challenging behaviors. That's where the opportunities lie for our kids' growth, 
right? For their self-concept to be building, right? Mm-hmm. For our relationship where we understand each other better and communicate better. It's so easy. And we were raised to think, God, challenging behaviors and resistance and big feelings. Those are just the shits. That's like the bad side of our parenting card that we were dealt. We get to all these snuggles. We get to teach them stuff. We get to skip and push them on a swing. Um, you know, we get to hear them say all these cool words <laughs> and do fun stuff. But no, this is this is the rest of it. Yeah. And we're here to show up about it. What? Yeah. Oh, Ashley said, trying to get out the door and explaining to five-year-old we have to go. And she says, shit your mouth. <laughs> is it shit your mouth or shut your mouth? Both of them are priceless. Oh, man. Amazing. I feel like we've heard that... that um, that you actually have had some struggles getting out the door lately with a spirited, spirited five-year-old oh, who's resisting tricky. the agenda. Yeah. That's a really hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just decided not to go anywhere. That's our, our, our problem oh, solving. We realize not everyone has that luxury. Yeah. Um, but I know too, that you are problem solving and trying to keep your five-year-old in the loop with what, what's going on. So in the mm-hmm. respect step, we talk about, make sure they know what's going on. A lot of parents struggle to even think that our, their kids have the right to know what's going on. Should just be able to say it and they should do it. Right. Um, giving information, preparing ahead of time, mm-hmm. filling their cup a little bit, make sure you get a little QT before that time comes in where you're just focused on her. Right. Mm-hmm. And then empathizing when she's kind of like, ah, getting squirrely, shut your mouth, mom. I don't want to go or shut your mouth or whatever it is. <laughs> you're not feeling like going what's going on. And we, before we put our agenda on the table, which is our impulse first, We're going to wait a minute. We're going to cool our jets and we're going to listen. We're going to shut up, connect. Yeah. And connect and see, see what's going on with them. Leave a little space for for them to figure that out Mm because they don't have all the answers right away either. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we might have to sync up with a spirited kid. I would be more, more, a little more sensitive to syncing up where we might have to say, here's my concern is we're going to be too late or, but we actually need to go. They may Um, know all these things already. It could be a little inflammatory uh, for a spirited kid. Yeah. Um, so I might just say, okay, so you're not quite ready. I'm feeling like I'm kind of ready to move on. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we get to go to the innovate step, the fun step, which hopefully we've thought about a little bit ahead of time. Got a couple of things in our pockets. What are we going to listen to in the car? Or can you write me a note that you give to me at the end of the car ride? Can we dance like your favorite character out of the house? Mm -hmm. How can I use creativity, problem solving, humor, and ultimately more connection with my child to help them move through a challenge mm-hmm. to help them get their needs met in a way while I'm also getting my needs met. This mm-hmm. is a critical skill that we want to be building with our kids, not to just get out the door ourselves, a quick fix today, but to, to raise our kids in a way that when they have inner resistance, as they get older, doing the taxes, going to the gym, going somewhere, doing mm-hmm. something, they get curious about it. And then they find a way to work through it, to make it work for them. Yeah, I think the innovate step is always where that little, that little devil on our shoulder is like, why do you have to make it fun for them? <laughs> you shouldn't have to bend over backwards to make this transition easy and hold their hand through this whole thing. That is so permissive and ridiculous. You're going overboard here. Nope. We're building skills, serious skills. This is an investment, right? So then we go from innovate into summarize where we might have to set a limit. I'm going to help you to the car. seems like you're not quite ready, but God, we got to go. That's where we usually want to offer um, some sort of consequence and be like, if you don't get in the car, this is going to happen. And I think that that's when we have to maybe start back at the top if we've Mm -hmm. got a little more time, right? Because we don't want to be giving our kids consequences that aren't a natural consequence. So think what is natural? Okay. If we can't. If we can't get in the car pretty soon, what might happen? I might just ask that and be like, I don't know what might happen. Um, I might be late. 
Um, my boss might not love that. Mm-hmm. Um, you might miss morning snack. I know you like that. Tomorrow we might not be able to read books again like we did today if we can't go out the door again. All of these kinds of logical reasoning, which sometimes really supports kids. And other times they're just like, no, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care all the reasons. And that's when we do the summarize, the loving follow through where we're like, okay, I'm going to help. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we trust. And I want to say too, that the more we can do that loving follow through setting, setting a boundary, Mm -hmm. setting a limit step in the summarize step when the kids are younger, Mm -hmm. the better, Mm -hmm. right? If we're just over controlling by the time they're six or seven, you can't move their body or eight. They're like, make me. And you're like, oh God, you can't I loving can't. follow through at that point. I can't. And it's their will against yours. And there isn't that trust and relationship and collaboration where they learn to trust that when mom or dad or whoever says it's time to go, they know and they trust you that you wouldn't make them do something that they didn't want to do. And then they'll also have the skills to say, you know what? I want to innovate on this. Could I have two more minutes with this? Or could I actually, bring this I don't want me? those shoes. I want the other ones from the backpack. Exactly. I'm like, they didn't actually want those, but they're, they're working it. They're, they're stepping into their power and saying, I have a little choice in this matter. What, what do I need to be able to do it? Right. Sometimes it's a gummy bear, whatever. <laughs> Someone else asks Molly, five-year-old antagonizes younger siblings until they respond and then hits or pushes them or keeps pursuing until she's the one who gets hurt. Yeah. I mean, the word that comes to mind immediately is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that poking behavior some kids have. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have that behavior as well, where mm-hmm. I just poke, 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 poke. I antagonize Not my partner, but, yeah. uh, my partner or Kelty until they basically lose their shit on me. And then I play this victim. Mm-hmm. This is a very common victim aggressor cycle that mm-hmm. people get into. Um, and I think that's such a, it's so great that you're noticing it and thinking, okay, I'm seeing this scenario playing out. What do I do? And I I love that you put antagonizes in quotes. You know, it means that she's struggling. Yeah. Right. You, you know, it looks like antagonizing and you know that she needs help. Right. She's a five-year-old. Like she's just trying to get her needs met. She's feeling uncomfortable. She can't regulate her emotions. She can't communicate her needs. She's struggling. That's the word we use. Usually she's feeling uncomfortable inside and she's struggling. And that's when our kids, it's like a baby crying. We go to the baby. They're struggling. They need something and they don't know how to get that need met. Same with a five-year-old who is doing inane things to her younger siblings. So Mm -hmm. we would just focus on her in those moments and help her find a way to calm down and, and, and regulate her body. So that could be through innovation do you want to slip? Do you want to twirl? What can we do? It could be through a loving follow through of separation saying, Oh, you're struggling. I'm noticing you're struggling a little bit. Or if she doesn't want any more direct language like that, then you Mm -hmm. can say, why don't you come into the kitchen with me? Everybody else head that way. But she's basically showing you that she can't be safe with her siblings. If she's just doing a little poking and then they hit her and it's no big, you know, real, um, Mm -hmm. safety issue, That's also just kind of bickering and discomfort. And I think you can try working with the younger kids too and saying, how are you doing with that? Mm -hmm. When she gets kind of pokey and she does these things, you don't like that. And I understand that's why you hit her. And we're working on saying Mm -hmm. these things instead of hitting. Obviously, I'm going to try and be there to stop your impulses whenever possible. Mm -hmm. But what can you do? Can you say, I need space and try and take space, Mm -hmm. right? Can you come to me and and we can kind of work it through that? There are a lot of avenues here, but I think that, 
we often say like, this is normal, natural, and necessary. This is so okay. Mm-hmm. It's just really triggering for us. Yeah. And I think that that's part of it is us kind of moving through it and getting over it. And then just helping the other kids feel empowered in setting boundaries for themselves yeah. as best they can. I would lean too on the circle back with her, yeah. you know, at night when you're getting in bed, everyone's more regulated and relaxed or cozy and comfy. Or if you're driving and everyone's kind of chill, use that as a moment <clears throat> to just say, Hey, I noticed you were struggling with everyone. I saw you kind of poking and then they came back and they hurt you. And I'm so sorry that happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Which it goes against our, our feelings. Often we're like, why would I apologize to my kid for something that they did that I hated? That's what we're going to do is we're going to say, I'm so sorry that happened. So they think I'm sorry that happened too. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're building a little bit of conscience around this shitty thing that happened. And then I would say something like, what can I do to help you? Usually we're like, what can you do to make choices differently next time? Instead, we're going to say, what can I do to support you? What can you do to feel better, to, to, to be able to regulate yourself? You know, like sometimes I take those deep breaths, you know, sometimes I, I tell daddy, I'm like, I need to step out of the room. I'll be back soon. Right. What could you do? A five-year-old absolutely can, can move through those steps. And if she can't, She's still absorbing it. She's Mm -hmm. practicing with you kind of entering into this circle back conversation that we talk about in our trust step at the end of our resistance. Mm -hmm. All of this is awareness building Mm -hmm. and the root cause of everybody's behaviors and words are needs, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why we focus always on the needs. We keep everybody safe, but we do not spend time on the behaviors. The behaviors are the symptoms that will resolve as soon as our child starts understanding their needs and gaining awareness, mm-hmm. when they understand their needs and gain awareness around those, then they start thinking before they mm-hmm. act. They start using words instead of fists, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, the critical skill building that we're focusing on in these conversations in the moment. But like Kelsey said, really after the moment when everyone is feeling more receptive yeah. and safe and secure to be able to learn. I love that. If we can just take all of the, the jobs off our, our description that we think we need to in the moment. We need to like be the referee, the hall monitor, the, the judge and jury, uh, the police. We don't have to be any of those things. We don't have to fix anything. We just have to, when we're able, stop those hands, mm-hmm. separate those bodies and help everyone calm down. That's it. That's all we have to do in the moment. And just we, like what we did when they were babies. Right. And then we talk about it later in a warm, loving, neutral way. So they're not scared to engage around conflict and talk about self-reflection process those things right but i mean it's a conversation that hannah that we talk about i think every episode here is self-awareness versus socialization Mm -hmm. and i think that so often our kids are bopping each other on the heads they're saying mean things they're getting into things they know they shouldn't get into and our and our automatic brain says gosh they, they need to know that's wrong I need to socialize them so they're not this type of person in the future, or at least they stop right now. Right. Stop now and don't become a person who steals, lies, hurts people, um, loses it in a mall, whatever. Right. And that, that pressure to focus on socialization leads us to focus on their behaviors, which it's pointless to focus on their behaviors because the root cause hasn't been dealt with, which is their needs. So Kelsey and I always talk about a little V here where there's like a trajectory of an event with our kids. So, uh, one kid is hitting another kid or, something's happening and it's, it stems from needs and then the behavior happens. And then after that is the impact of that behavior. And because of the pressure to socialize our kids, all we focus on is that behavior and that impact. Look what you did. Now I'm going to be late. You can't treat your sibling that way. All these things. And we're, we're undermining, we're, we're missing the root cause, which is the need. So that's why we always focus on the need because that doesn't just calm our kids down in the moment so that they feel safer and more able to learn. 
but that helps them build those skills to be able to meet their own needs more adaptively over time. And then later in the circle back, maybe we bring up the behavior or believe that it's going to be changing. Or we bring up the impact. I noticed they didn't want to play with you after that for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you notice that? They needed some space, I guess, because it just didn't feel that good to them or. Right. When our kids make choices and we say choices because we do not believe in good or bad choices, Mm -hmm. that every choice needs it happens and there's a learning experience from it, but we want our kids to make choices and not be triggered having been conditioned as a child to go immediately into shame and blame, focusing on impact always. Oh, did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Are they mad at me? I'm so terrible. Oh my gosh. I can never do anything right. We want them to make a choice and, and go to need. Why did I do that? What was going on with that? And also with other people, right? Mm-hmm. We want them to treat that them with, with that same curiosity and non-judgmental yeah. acceptance and, and still considering the impact as well. But this is an immediate need or immediate <clears throat> um, kind of impulse we're conditioning in them based on how we approach them when they make a quote unquote mistake. Yeah. I think that other little like devil on our shoulder and a voice that a lot of people share that their partners um, have is, but I got to condition them for the outside world. They got to know I want, mm-hmm. they, I, they have to be resilient to it. So I need to bring that lens that external pressure of Mm -hmm. society into the home. And we like to say, no, home needs to be an incubator where we're building our kids' inner resilience, their inner wisdom and authority, their strength, their inner voice. Mm -hmm. And right now we are that inner voice for them. We, our voice now becomes that inner voice for them. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we need to catch up on some of these. Let's do it. Get off our little pedestal, high horse podiums here. That's the goal. Can we do it every time? No. No. So, um, Chrissy says, my son is six and has a crush on a family friend, his age. Whenever we get together to play, he's so excited with his big feelings. He gets mean. How can I help him? And then it says a G there. I'm not sure if it continues, but I think that, um, gosh, I mean, play dates, I think, especially right now in COVID mm-hmm. times, man, that is a lot of excitement. And I think oftentimes when our kids are, um, you know, mean or poking or he's so excited with his big feelings about it he gets mean like to you or like to the i think to the the person that he's guessing maybe to to the to the kid he's excited to see and i think Mm -hmm. i was just going to talk about stress behavior really briefly and say Mm -hmm. this is so normal and so natural Mm -hmm. and i think that again running the resist approach with him or you talk to him before and kind of prepare Mm -hmm. him you get the wiggles out Mm-hmm. Right. You really try to regulate his nervous system where he's feeling not just connected with you and cup filled. So he's had his parent time, but also his body is regulated. Mm-hmm. So that's when you go do something really big with a lot of movement, whatever he needs to do, climb, flip, jump, roll, um, mm-hmm. any of those things to help him kind of secure himself a little bit more and then have that conversation too. Not like a warning conversation that we like, all grew hey, up with. Don't be mean. Remember so, sometimes you get too, we need to respect their bodies. Man. Like he's, <clears throat> he's doing those things and he can't help himself. So all we need to help him do is to feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And then in the moment, we just have to be there a little bit more. Maybe we talk to our friend to talk to his, his friend to say, Hey, maybe you can set up some some uh, consent language around this, that mm-hmm. I need space or I didn't like that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, please ask before you touch me. Yeah, All of this is such a great opportunity. I think some of this is just that pressure about the other parent too. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. what are they going to think? Like, I thought they want to bring their kid over here. And then my kid is just like being a mean bully to them. That's so stressful. Awesome. Yeah. Right. So I think you can have a straight up conversation if you haven't yet with that other parent and just say like what you told us. He's got a lot of big feelings when he's excited, comes out like this. Sometimes I'm there to support it. I want to be neutral about it. Um, cause I don't want to make him feel more anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing. Right. And I think then 
I would also lean towards less binary language around him. I wouldn't even call it a crush. Yeah. Maybe he's feeling he's a six. sense of pressure. He's yeah. six. That's kind of like sexualizing <clears throat> a child friendship in some ways. Um, but I would just be like, you're really digging them right now. You're excited to you're spend so time with her. to see her. Yeah. yeah. Totally. <clears throat> yeah. Right. I'm excited to see them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even before they hang out, you could help him find ways to express his excitement about this this other child in writing them a letter first or drawing them a picture or doing a FaceTime that morning, maybe, mm-hmm. so that there isn't this like pent up anxiousness of like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe when they meet, they could also meet outside. So we've done this with our kids a lot where we're like, how about we meet up outside first and then we go inside. Got a little more room to roam. And we roam. get the room to roam. We get the room to kind of bounce off each other and get, get our bearings, get the wiggles out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then processing after, you know, which kind of skipping through here. I mean, if we need to create some boundaries and step in to support him when he's struggling, taking a little break, maybe not like a punitive break, but just a few minutes, you know, I think it's hard. And our kids have that frenetic excitement that can kind of go in a more mm-hmm. quote unquote negative way or be in just kind of this hyper way. It, it, it We pick up on it and it's because it's their stress. We're yeah. feeling their stress. I think that one last thing I would say is in those moments, if your kid is quote unquote being mean to their new friend, um, I think <clears throat> that we have so much power in our modeling and the way that we handle it, not directly with our child, but in saying something like to the friend, oh, looks like Max is still kind of warming up here a little. He seems really excited to see you. And sometimes you just it's like, it's all this energy. Mm-hmm. So exciting, you know? So not that we're apologizing for him or saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Or he doesn't mean that or mm-hmm. whatever it is, but we're kind of building this context, um, this context and this understanding of, of the mitigating circumstances, the excitement that's really there. And we're normalizing the fact mm-hmm. that that can come out in weird ways sometimes mm-hmm. with our kids. Mm-hmm. Hope that helps a little bit. That's really tough. Yeah. Someone says, how can I help my little girl to sit down and have her food and not run around after every bite? I tell her, if you're done, I'll take it away. You don't have to finish it. But she always wants more. Sure. Sure. Anna loves talking about this. Oh, man. Yeah, we could talk about this whole live uh, about division of responsibility, which I believe we cover in our free to nourish podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're going to be coming out with also a mealtime drama um, mini guide and then a greater master guide. So that's going to be really exciting. But I would say, you know, I think it's just all about your, your boundaries. You know, if you're willing to have her run away and come back and run away, come back, I think I would maybe just needing a a stronger boundary Mm -hmm. where really she comes up to the table, the limit and says that comes up to the table and this is it. This is, this is the food. This is where we eat. Um, and so we're not going to eat after. Period. I know you used to come, you used to go, right. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to try something new. How old did you say she was? Doesn't say. Okay. I mean, if she's like 18 months old or something like that, mm-hmm. or two years, like that's also just, we have to take into account in our respect step of our resist approach <laughs> that her body uh, needs to move. And it's really difficult for any child to stay sitting for a long period of time. And so that's often why they, their attention spans shorter. It's really tricky. So I think there are lots of things we could do to talk about. I mean, I think um, getting the wiggles out before she comes to the mm-hmm. table, having her, depending on her age, sit in your lap, or um, sit next to you, not having toys at the table, not having a TV on in the other room. I, I even will sometimes turn the lights off in the other room. Mm-hmm. So it's literally like spotlight in the kitchen. This mm-hmm. is what's happening, everybody. Mm-hmm. Stay here, right? So thinking of all of these things that what could be pulling her away? What is it she's needing? Did she not get to finish her work in the other room? Or has she just kind of been creating a little cycle of like come and go and come and go and come and go? Mm-hmm. And that's something you feel comfortable setting a, a stronger limit around. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you, if you're ready to say, I just want her to stay here. It sounds like you're kind of ready. And I believe she can. And I believe that she can. I believe she can. Mm -hmm. Um, if you say, so when you get up, if you get up, that tells me you're all done, Mm -hmm. that you're done. We would always do the hand signals. Tells me you're all done. Right. And, and this could take a, maybe a week of adjustment periods where she gets up and you say, Oh, okay. You're all done with your food. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I only had like two bites. Like, please say no and come back. Right. Are you sure? And maybe we give her another chance, not in like a daring way, but we say, cause I'm going to take it to the kitchen if you're all done, because we're really going to try to focus on our food here before we go move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And even like a two-year-old can understand this, Mm -hmm. right? She's been a little bit conditioned to the, to the fact that she can go and come and go and come and be a little snacky. Right. Right. So I think if you're going to change that, you just have to be explicit about it and warm and loving Mm -hmm. and then show her that you're taking the food away. Mm -hmm. Not in a like, okay, I'm taking it. I'm seriously taking it now. Like it's gone. No <laughs> snacks, none, but Are I'm like, sure? okay, I'm going to take it. Then we're going to put it away. And mm-hmm. I hope, you know, how's your tummy feeling? Is it full? We're going to help our kids attune to their tummy. We're like, it is nowhere near full, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask that question to cue her into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if it's full. She's going to start wondering about this. And maybe around bedtime, she might be like, oh gosh, no, I'm starving to death. Mm-hmm. And then we can replay this story. Oh yeah. Remember you really wanted to go back to your books. Building awareness. Yeah. And you, how many bites do you think you took? Maybe like three bites. I wonder if that was enough. Do you feel like that was enough? I'm just wondering what this child is running away to and then mm-hmm. coming back towards. Is it a TV that's on? Is it a, you know, if it's a specific thing she always goes to, she could put it to bed before she eats and mm-hmm. put a blanket over it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff you can do to help her wrap up and minimize the, the attraction of leaving the table. Mm-hmm. And then at the table, I'm wondering too, like I, I get into these th- modes where I'm like, I'm doing dishes and doing all the things like Popping while my kid's down. eating yeah. and like, they're needing more attention. They're needing stuff. And so I just want to always remind too, like, remember to, to be present if you can, yeah. to be sitting there, to be not like controlling and micromanaging and watching their every move, mm-hmm. but like to be doing your food and participating as well. Even if you're not eating a full dinner. Yeah. You know? And I love that you say that, that you tell her that she doesn't have to finish. Yes. That's so great that she's attuning to what her body is needing Mm -hmm. and that you have that sense of trust that she's going to take what she needs and leave the rest. But it's still, there's always that little piece of fear in the back of our minds. My baby's not going to get enough. Mm -hmm. They're going to be hungry. And that's like my job. That's my Mm J-O-B to get them fed. This is hard Mm -hmm. to trust that our kids know what's enough when. And then I think if you feel comfortable, and this is something I did that Kelsey didn't do, but because my kids were smaller meal eaters, um, in general, um, even though we didn't do snacking throughout the day or anything like that, they were just a little more pecky. I would do, um, a nighttime snack, um, before bed, but it was only a few things like you could have yogurt and applesauce. You could have a piece of toast with avocado on it, or you could have leftovers for dinner and from dinner. And you had those few things where it wasn't like, take your pick, you know, or a power bar or something sweet. Right. Mm-hmm. And that helped my kids kind of retune like what, what they were doing. And then eventually we dropped off and then kind of came back on because it became a ritual. But mm-hmm. that's an option too, if you feel comfortable about it, where they're not saying you're hungry, they're hungry. And then you're like, okay, let's open the kitchen up again. But you create a routine around that if they're needing a little bit more kind of separation. But generally speaking, it's three meals and it's, uh, you know, two snacks in between, I think it yeah. is. I think that most kids, if, need. if you are entering into this new, no more snacky back and forthy kind of meal, 
Try to bring your kid in on dinner time a little bit at the beginning. Get some of those carrots in while you're mm-hmm. cutting them. Get appetizers. Those, lean on the appetizers because they're mm-hmm. probably going to be still having that habit of wanting to leave and then you're going to have to work on taking the plate away for a few nights. Well, and they call that a mealtime window as well. Mm-hmm. I think that it's okay. Some folks are like, you have to stay at the table and if you leave, we're done ski. Mm-hmm. But the younger kids, you're like, well, their bodies, they struggle. Mm-hmm. They got to do that stuff. So the mealtime window is two hours. And so within that two hours, you can come to the table and eat as much as you want, as long as you're not like eating food in the living room. Mm -hmm. So again, this is about attuning and figuring out what feels good to you that works for your sanity. And it's also helping your child attune to themselves, how much they need to eat, which foods they like, what else they need to be doing and creating a conversation around Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Someone says, just found out my two and a half year old is hitting kids at school with toys and tearing up books. What do I do? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sounds like your your kid is uncomfortable at school, is struggling a little bit. Yeah. It's okay. I've definitely been through that yeah. a little bit. Um, I was going to say, it sounds like the caregivers need to up their game a little if that's happening. That's yeah. my first thought is, Where's the, where's the caregiver yeah. on top where's of the provider who's, who's watching her tear up books or him tear up books. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the, the one meeting I had about my kid, my biting other kids, um, at her little preschool was really just trying to get a sense of when it happened to try to figure out why it happened. Like we always talk about get getting, to, getting to the need. Mm-hmm. So getting a, a, a meeting, a zoom call or whatever it is with the, um, the few people there on staff to just get a sense of what, pay, pay me a picture here, people. Not, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, this is the worst. I'm the worst parent. My daughter's a bully or my son's a bully. No, this is absolutely natural behavior. And I hope that the school Mm -hmm. represented it that way to you, that this is natural instead of, Hey, your kid's doing this behavior. You better get them in line because Mm -hmm. this is not cool. Um, I think so. Take a breath, feel, feel a sense of grace in your kid is doing everything they need to do. Them doing these things at school is okay. I, I would say, like Hannah said, they're just feeling a little stressed out, feeling a little bit loose stress behavior. Right. And needing maybe a little bit more connection. So if they're like, it's always before book time, <clears throat> I would say, can you give them a little bit more connection and attention around that time mm-hmm. when they usually do that? It's called or, relational security. Yeah. Or is it this one child that they, they've been having a struggle with? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, is there any way someone could be a little bit more around? They're two and a half years old. The ratio is pretty good at that age in, in preschools. Yeah. Um, could someone be a little bit more to around support. them? To support. Right. To understand yeah. what's what's kind of transpiring, what's mm-hmm. going on. This is a two and a half year old? Yes. Yes. I mean, a two and a yeah. half year old is going to hit. They have no impulse control, mm-hmm. right? When they get worked up about something, which is a mystery right now, mm-hmm. wh- what is causing them to hit, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can work on that. Or they're showing us that right now with the impulse control that they currently have, the prefrontal cortex they're currently building they cannot stop themselves from hitting in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And that means they just need a caregiver present to inhibit the impulse, keep everybody safe mm-hmm. and reroute that impulse mm-hmm. to calm. Yeah. And I, that's the co-regulators that, that we I all that are. When we get those notes from school, we're like, Oh shit. Like I got to have a conversation with my two and a half year old and be like, why are you hitting? Why are you, you doing this? Yeah. No hitting at school. Right. And then this is what I did with my daughter. We'd my be reputation's driving. on the line. <laughs> we drive to school and I, she's so fierce. And, and so she's I would so just amazing. say something like, um, it's not like we'd even had a serious conversation about her biting other kids. Um, I still don't know if it was when she was upset or not. They had no data for me, which was really frustrating. Yeah. So I would say and something like soon after. I'm so, I'm so excited for you to see your friends and just kind of play and do stuff. And she would go, I'm going to bite them. Cause she, she was, knew she was like, barely, she she's knew like, your agenda. Gym. She knew that I was trying to say, please, please, please don't, please don't hurt flesh. little children. 
<laughs> yeah, so please be sensitive with your kid yeah. about this. This is not their fault. There's no. nothing they have to fix or when do. I, I think th- this is when we've been called to work behind the scenes yeah. with the teacher and the staff and work behind the scenes at home to maybe ease some of that stress. Maybe not yeah. put so much pressure on them in other ways. Mm-hmm. Maybe give them a little extra love and, and tenderness mm-hmm. uh, if we're able I think we've been culturally conditioned to be like, no, I need to like clamp down. They can't do this stuff. They need to know that hitting kids at school isn't okay and tearing up books. We love books. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, yeah, we just have to keep leaning on um, that context building, that extra love and support is going to extinguish the behavior. They're not going to be a hitter. They're not going to be a bully. With love and support, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Yeah. Someone says, thank you. I'm just so lost. Be- and we're here anytime. Someone said, thanks, ladies. I love your lives. Always so helpful. That's so great to hear. Someone said, food ideas are great to share. Thank you. It can be difficult having enough variety of healthy options to try. Yeah, keep that variety. Keep that Mm -hmm. rainbow thing going where it's a taste test every Mm -hmm. night at dinner. And there's no like, there's no grading with the taste test. It's like, feast your eyes. Do you dare to try it? Mm -hmm. What do you think? And we do like the thumbs up, middle, thumbs down. Yeah. You know, and we keep it temporary. Okay. Right now, not so much or cook this way. That's mm, another thing. If today, you have, if you have limited options like we do, cause I'm just like plowing down the supermarket or going to the last <laughs> bought items on the website, same old stuff, right? Try yeah. to cook it differently. We bring them in on it. Would you like, can you maybe do a salt thing? Do you want to make a special sauce that we could put on it mm-hmm. so that this is done your way? What are you calling this meal? You get right. to name it. It's like green beans a la Lindsay <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Someone else said the eating thing is so hard. I have family members who tell me I need to distract my two-year-old so that they'll eat. And I get so irritated trying to tell them no, but then my child doesn't eat. So it's hard. Oh mm-hmm. yes. There's so much pressure. Yeah. Distract your kid from eating. Tell them not to pay attention to their body, to their hunger and satiety, to mindfulness around their bodily processes. That is it's so pervasive in our culture. Mm-hmm. And I think props to you for feeling uncomfortable about that and mm-hmm. struggling with that and really trying to continue to trust, mm-hmm. as we say, in uh, honoring your kid's body, honoring their their relationship to food that has nothing to do with but us. I, but I think that culturally, in a lot of cultures, food mm-hmm. isn't a relationship to a person's body. Food is a relationship to their family and yeah. to their culture. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard um, to turn that lens away from the, the group think that in our family, we this and turn it back towards the child and what they're needing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. can be such a big part of family, family life is, and, and, and people can take it so personally. Mm-hmm. It's, really tricky. it's really hard to, to meet everybody's needs in that way. Mm-hmm. When it's like, our job is really to meet our kids' needs, but we've got lots of other folks who are, who are vying for, for mm-hmm. that as well. Uh, she continued to, to stand my ground or we'll be at a family member's thing. And my son will request yogurt constantly. And I have uh, this constant argument surrounding that he can't just have yogurt for dinner every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can create consciousness with your family members too, to be like, Oh my gosh, it's so interesting. I mean, he eats, mm-hmm. he eats a big variety at home, but I think with these bigger gatherings, they're overwhelming. And I think oftentimes, you know, we just go with what we know and what feels good or with one thing that mm-hmm. feels safe. And so that's just how he rolls in or, these social or situations. Or you can go a level up and say, I've read a couple books or some articles about kids and eating. It's called intuitive eating. We're trying to work this system thing so that he doesn't become an overeater or have an unhealthy relationship with food or alcohol or other things. Mm-hmm. I've done a little research about it. It's so different from how we were, we all grew up and what I'm practicing, but mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot of interesting things. And, and it's kind of cool. I'd be happy to share the books with you. You can say, mm-hmm. um, they're all on our resources page on our website, by the yeah. way. Yeah. 
So good luck with that. I think, hold on, we might have had more. Mom's laughing at here. us or something. Mm. Hey, mom. Can you save this live, please? Want to watch it with hubby? Yes, it'll be on our um, on our profile on Instagram and in our IGTV. Absolutely. And it'll be on the podcast on Monday. Hey, Fresh Start Wendy. Oh, best way, Andy, to e extend your parental patience if you can't remove yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. So parental patience comes from parental self-regulation. Mm -hmm. So we cannot be patient with everything around us if our nervous systems are on the fritz. So uh, we would recommend just finding ways, and everybody has different ways, to be focusing within and to be calming down, right? So mm -hmm. for me, it's taking a few deep breaths. For Kelty, it's like looking out the window. It's pretending what, I'm on a TV whatever show. Whatever you need, right? But I think a lot of it is oftentimes not feeling the need to respond to the child. I think oftentimes we get so into this back and forth, back and forth, and meanwhile we're ramping up. And I think that when we need when we need to self-regulate to be able to show up a better way for our kids, when we can't actually leave the room, that's when we get into nodding. That's we when we start, start getting into mantra mode. This is not an emergency. They're doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be okay. I do a lot of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of okay. 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 And sometimes I'd say, I even narrate, I'm taking some deep breaths. I'm taking some deep breaths. I'm thinking about this right now. I'm taking some deep breaths. Mm -hmm. But whatever you need, facing away from your children for a minute, taking the deep breaths, There's practicing so some mindful techniques, grounding techniques. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna tap my hands. Literally, Andy, if you drop down and do like five push-ups and stand back up again, you will feel better. Do the arm thing, this mm -hmm. arm thing. It's incredibly relaxing. It really is. It looks so You can't, you can't not be happy after you do this. <laughs> and everyone around you is happy. They're They're like, watching the kids you. are like, what the fuck? <laughs> Andy, I want to know with what you need to extend your patience about. I'm and why curious. you can't leave. I'm curious. Why can't you step out? Yeah. Because the yeah. personal timeout what's is my the, number one what's superpower. The <laughs> what's the patience about? Is it like bedtime? So you want to kind of be there to keep seeing it through? Or is it something else? Or is it like they're making a mess and something kind of in the moment's happening so you can't step away or mm -hmm. they're hurting each other? Or Yeah, let us know what, what it is and we can dive in. Molly, got it. Thank you. And yes, circle back. Totally working to make that a habit at dinner. Great. Yeah, or with cuddle time. I think oftentimes with sensitive kids, a public circle back can be kind of tricky feel a little bit intense. I don't know if it does, for, it feels that way for your kids, but um, so notice, you know, how they respond uh, in public versus in private when you're doing that circle back with them. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, hello. Oh, Do you want to read that one? Oh, I want to respond. Oh, that was oh, an yeah. extra with Ashley. Sorry, we missed that. Um, let's see. Kate. Hello. I'm struggling with my two and a half year old who begins hoarding, guarding, hiding his toys from little friends who come over for play dates. We've tried putting away special toys prior to play dates. That's such a great That's idea. Great. Yeah. I would have suggested that first. So mm -hmm. you were you were one step ahead there as far as like prevention mode, thinking mm -hmm. ahead, right? And then remembering ultimately two and a half year old, still really in that process of mm -hmm. learning what's theirs, what's mine, do I want to give it? If I give it, will I ever get it back? That mm -hmm. kind of like the object permanence, you could say, of sharing what and of playing. What does this all mean, this dynamic and, with another mm, person with my things? Yeah, and then that beautiful experimentation of, now they're not just um, playing like, um, it's parallel play. They're they're doing a little, maybe more of like interactive play. Or maybe they're not there yet. And that's why they're like, dude, this is my sand pit. Dude, this is my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they would behave this way anywhere, let alone at home. We don't really know. But I think that 
preparing them as best you can with what they want to put away and what they have, preparing them that they, the other child might want to take it away, preparing the other family who's coming and saying, he's feeling a little bit possessive about his things mm-hmm. and he's struggling to share them and we're working through that with him. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that he feels ready to share things when he's ready. You know, um, it's uh, okay not to share by Heather Schumacher is one of our favorite books. Um, that talks about sharing and so many other things um, that we're so programmed to believe the opposite about that we need to shut down. But him not sharing, that's okay. And I think mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for him to see the impact of not sharing on another child mm-hmm. where they're like a little bum. Mm-hmm. We're not going to drill it in, but we'll just be like, oh, okay. I guess it seems like yeah. they kind of wanted it. I think maybe a play date, the other child could bring some of their toys to the play date. That'd be cool. And then they can have some new things. You could bring out something new for mm-hmm. both of them to share and do that's not um, kind of already belonging to you this child. You might still totally just be like, no, it's mine. All right. of a sudden it's mine. And it's my house. It's their house. Yeah. And it could just be stress behavior of having another child in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter has been feeling kind of possessive about our new cat and having Kelty's kids over mm-hmm. to our house. And we're working through it, but we're respecting it. Mm-hmm. We're saying we want our kids to feel safe in their own homes. We want our kids to feel safe and have that inner wisdom and authority about mm-hmm. their own belongings. Yeah. Right. And, and their own bodies and their own, yeah. um, everything we want. We want our kids to feel strong enough to say, dude, get out of the fucking car, mm-hmm. like, or get out of my house or my dorm room. Or why are you taking this, this thing from me at work? I, I worked on that. No, mm-hmm. we want that, that healthy sense of entitlement that says, I'm feeling that this is mine or I'm feeling that this is unjust mm-hmm. and we want to be nurturing that voice. Mm-hmm. So I think I would just continue to, to validate all the feelings, be that cool, neutral person at the play date where everyone's like, you're so laid, laid back. What is your problem? What's going on with you? Mm-hmm. You can be that, that mom who's just like, oh yeah, they're just, they seem kind of stressed about it. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. you have to share, got to do these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something you can have a uh, conversationally with some of the other parents. I know people usually say, tit for tat and you make kids share, you know, my son doesn't respond well when I make him share. It actually makes him not want to play with other kids. It makes him even more possessive and territorial. Kids, kids learn sharing by giving and taking over and over and holding on to things and wanting things. That's mm-hmm. how they learn is by knowing what it feels like to have something and, and knowing what it feels it. like to lose it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the process. How you learn to share isn't being told to share. It's experiencing that in real time. That's how kids actually learn things. Um, someone said, thank you so much for all your support. I honestly really appreciate it. We appreciate you being here. Mm-hmm. And Chrissy, you said, I have another one. We were hiking and our kids kept running ahead and it was dangerous as there are steep cliffs ahead. We explained about safety, but how can we handle it in the moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in those moments when our kids are showing us that they can't be safe and words aren't helping, we have to be there physically helping. Mm-hmm. So we would either be be having to hold hands or we have them in the bob or we have them on our back. Mm -hmm. Um, or if they continue to show us that those things aren't going to work either, they're not quite ready for that particular hike. They're showing us that they can't have, they can't be safe if they can't hold our hands or be held or walk safely. But no shame on them. They're Mm -hmm. always doing the very best they can with the skills they have. So they're just showing us they're not quite ready. That's Mm -hmm. it. Back to the self reg parenting game. Someone said, I like squeezing my fingers one by one. It calms me down, Mm. but sometimes nothing helps self-compassion and fill your cup. Love that. Mm -hmm. And Andy, you said, I'm doing it right now. I feel like the kids are my job and responsibility since I'm the at home dad, but I'm also responsible for my well-being so that I can be the best dad I can be. And it's just so hard in the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that overwhelm. I think mm-hmm. in those moments, we're like, we're asking you to define a particular moment. And what you're reflecting to us about is the overwhelm of feeling so much pressure, so much responsibility, and a sense of stress that how can you be meeting your needs as well? And so maybe it doesn't matter what situation in particular your kids are mm-hmm. having. You're just feeling triggered and maybe a little claustrophobic about that. Yeah, live in abundance shared to <clears throat> him just by showing up here and making the effort makes you a wonderful dad. Parenting is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Someone said, thanks, ladies. Sometimes we overthink and you guys break it down. You bet. We're here, here to, got a lot here to explore anything. Okay, we got to go back here a little bit. Um, let's see. Oh, she's, uh, you were mentioning live in abundance. She's 19 months. She's so active. She climbs up on me and wants my food instead. So that's the little, the so little one that was running food, away. Put your food in her bowl. You can be feeding a 19 month old. If it's helping her stay at the table and she's wanting it from you, she's wanting the connection around the food. So have a bowl or a plate that has your food and her food and be feeding her with it. Right. Yeah. When my son gets a little squirrely, he's four, he's almost five. I'll say, but do you want to sit on my lap? tonight like it's, it's every anchoring. now and then he's like yes I just want to be closer to you while I'm eating mm-hmm. you know or I notice he's wanting to climb up on the table yeah. and I'm like do you want to sit next to and you? I think if our kids want to eat our food that's okay especially for a 19 month old it's not like caviar or something right mm-hmm. um Ashley said thanks for your work and knowledge and helping me align my mothering with nonviolence and respect going to be the ringmaster for bedtime circus love hang you Ashley in hang in there you got this mm-hmm What's next? This has been a really fun night with you all. Keep them coming. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Uh, someone said, what about when you're on the other side, your 19 month old is being bit and hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that school situation we were talking about earlier with a, um, what a two year old or one and a half year old who's, who's, um, hitting at school. Was it? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And, um, and it's so hard to be on the other side where you get that report that your I child would always is rather be on the other today. side. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so hard too. And I think again, it's the conversation with the staff and saying, how are you supporting their mm-hmm. development? Because biting is a developmental stage. It's absolutely normal, right? It's so natural mm-hmm. for kids hitting, to feel both. so frustrated that they lash out like, any, any child really based on the yeah. skills that they have. So you, so you guys control. are noticing it's happening with this one kid to, to my kid. So you're on top of it, right? So you're kind of going to kind of monitor them a little bit more. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then with a 19 month old, we just say, Oh, I'm so sorry. That's, that what must have hurt. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And just give them love. <clears throat> right. We don't have to demonize the other kid. If it's an, a little bit of an older kid, um, who can, we can build a little context with, we can perspective take, what do you think they were going through when they hit you? What's going on? What was happening with them? When, when they get a little close to you, if you're not feeling comfortable mm-hmm. or you notice they're seeming like they're stressed or struggling, how can you make some space? That's mm-hmm. when we started telling our younger sons or even our daughters, I need space, mm-hmm. right? I need space right now. Mm-hmm. So they were setting some personal boundaries and not looking, when's the teacher going to rescue me? Mm-hmm. So I think as kids get older, we can also help empower them to be setting their own boundaries and building mm-hmm. that awareness. Someone says my spirited 12 year old has breached the trust she was given thoughts on bridging back that road. I would love to hear a little more about that. <sighs> yeah. Give us some details. The, the parent with the, the eating stuff said, thank you so much for your support. I honestly really appreciate it. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the hiking question. Mm-hmm. Keep going. 
Mm-hmm. Any tips on helping my three-year-old build, learn, practice frustration tolerance? He's very spirited, and when he's frustrated, big reactions happen fast. Mm-hmm. We always okay all his feelings, but trying to help. That's wonderful. I'm trying to help him oh, work through this mm-hmm. and be okay not being perfect or okay uh, while he's learning and struggling. Yeah, that's that's great that, um, first of all, spirited kids and low frustration tolerance, I can absolutely identify with. And those things are so tethered together. The number of times it's like 6.15 in the morning, they bring out like the hardest project ever. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, no, this is not going to go well. Um, and it's so hard struggling to support a kid through that. You don't want to say, don't worry about it, right? That's our instinct is to be like, it's not a big deal. You know, you're, you're, you're working as hard as you can. It's, it's just, you know, it's going as it is. It's, you don't have to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think I love that this, this parent is saying that they're welcoming all the feelings. You wanted it to be like that. Mm. Right. And this is actually, we were going to um, normalizing these, right. these impulses, these honorable impulses of wanting something. Yeah. Right. And we were, we were actually going to reply to a DM at the beginning of this one about frustration oh, and tolerance. Um, I've been struggling with my daughter about it the last, maybe like four or five days. We've just been going through a phase. She's six and a half and, mm-hmm. um, just really struggling when a project isn't going her way lately. She just kind of implodes and turns on me and starts attacking me. And that's been a new thing. Um, and something that's been helping me is aside from validating. Okay. Yes. Running the resist approach ally. I hear you. Oh, we're on the same side with this. That is the worst when the tape won't stick that way. Oh. Right. I'm oh, here. I'm instead here. of diving straight to, well, why don't you do this? Or you can do this or oh, it's fine. Calm don't the feelings before Calm we move and forward. validate, which is what all yeah. of us want when we struggle. We want somebody to just be like, oh, the worst and just mirror the things that we say. So we feel validated <clears throat> and relaxed in it. Right. Then we might say, is there anything we can do about it? Can I help you at all? Can we try to tweak it a little bit? And oftentimes we don't suggest things. We just say, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. And that's saying, I'm giving you this, this power. I'm not trying to dominate your project, but you'll just project more frustration on yeah. me. I met your bequest. What yeah, can I disposal. do? Yeah. You know. I mean, any, anything I've ever suggested to fix, if we try it, it's always a terrible failure and then it's extra my fault. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm trying to be the neutral. What can we do? Do you have any ideas? I'm here to help with whatever. And then when that doesn't work and they turn on you or they have really big feelings, we just work through it. And I think I've been using humor a lot in the innovate step. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to connect through those attacks and just say, you want to spin or you're you're grabbing on me. I can't breathe anymore. And, Mm -hmm. or, you know, running away and trying to make it a game of chase Mm -hmm. and helping her kind of break and crack that, um, that feeling, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's been really helpful. Mm -hmm. Or if you can't do that, then you just set a boundary and you're Mm -hmm. like, I I need to take a little break here for a second. I need to do these things. I love you, but you keep trying to hit me. I'm going to be in the bathroom for as long as I possibly can. (laughs) But I think that, that, that your mindset with this is really wonderful because it's growth mindset oriented. It's not fixed mindset. It's saying my kid needs to struggle. These Mm -hmm. are beautiful opportunities where Mm -hmm. I can be supporting them through a frustration Mm -hmm. And normalizing that, that it's a normal part of life. It's no reflection on their capability or their value, mm-hmm. right? Or, or any of those things mm-hmm. that it's not about fixing the problem. It's just about moving through the problem and coming out the other side in one piece. And then I think lastly about 
helping with frustration tolerance and this kind of perfectionistic thing that oftentimes spirited kids and sensitive kids can get into is remembering that we also have power when things are going really well to not overpraise. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, remember not to overpraise and say, this is so perfect. This is so good. You did it right. Mm-hmm. All these things, because that can get them again into that fixed mindset where then Black. when it's not going well, mm-hmm. it's really, really hard for them. So staying neutral through the good and the bad helping and again, reflecting back Mm -hmm. on their work being theirs and you just being there to normalize and support it and help create a sense of security around these daily and ultimately lifetime frustrations that Mm -hmm. they're going to have. We talk about that in our free to struggle podcast episode. Yeah. I would recommend checking that out. Someone says, Hey, I got a quick question. My son three and a half is a great kid with lots of energy. When something doesn't go his way, like if he's building something, drawing messes up, et cetera, Sorry, I don't know. What am what I are doing? You doing? I'm just trying to get rid of the thing. <laughs> just pull it down. <laughs> Messes up, etc. Mm-hmm. Down, down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Messes up, etc. Um, he hurts himself. Mm-hmm. He goes from, or if he hurts himself. Or if he hurts uh-huh. himself, he goes from zero to one hundred quick, asks for help. Then when trying to help him, he doesn't want it, says go away, but mm-hmm. cries if you walk away that doesn't want you back. Oh, sure. what you Just exactly what we were talking about. Exactly <laughs> what we we're talking about. That's a sensitive spirited kid, right? Yeah. Zero to one hundred. If they hurt mm-hmm. themselves, their nervous system, we have to keep remembering their nervous systems are like triggered much faster than some other kids. Every kid's nervous system is on a spectrum. So mm-hmm. some kid might fall and there may be actually really sense uh, sensory um kind of resilient where they actually like they can get hurt and not even realize it or they want more of the gritty feeling or they're sensory seeking basically Mm -hmm. and then there's the opposite side which is more my kids and it sounds like this child where when they have strong like loud noises they fall and hurt themselves it can kind of set off an emotional cascade Mm -hmm. of fight or flight so they're either angry or they're literally like crying and get away. And I think that your son is toggling between the fight and flight where they're angry. And so go away, but don't leave me and come back. Mm-hmm. And they're just struggling and they're needing you to just walk that, that middle way with them. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think the, the biggest thing that we talk about is just maintaining our own composure and our own self-regulation mm-hmm. throughout all of that. And just because sitting all- and playing in the gray and just knowing like, this is going to end at some point. This isn't forever. I just have to be a stable presence. That's all I have to do. Yeah. He like he likes to get angry and shut down. Well, he doesn't like to do it. He just does. His body does yeah. it. Right. Thank you for this, this advice. You guys are awesome. Sensory seeker. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Oh, this is someone else. Yeah. That's He's adding one. on. Oh, that went, that went with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. She said, thank you so much. He shuts down a lot when frustrated and just wanted to be done and move on. And I struggled to know if I should allow that or just help him sit in it. Like I say, you're still learning. <coughs> I think yeah. that those conversations can be good for the circle back. Mm-hmm. If, if, they, if he tears the project to shreds and is like, I'm done. Be like, okay, you're done. You're feeling done right now. We're Trust just, that. We're trusting that we're meeting our kids yeah. where they are. And then in the circle back, I remember when you shredded your project and lit it on fire Sorry, or whatever. It was hard earlier. Oh, that was so hard. What could we do next time? Or could mm-hmm. I, how can I support, support you differently? Mm-hmm. We're bringing things up again that scare us so that we can normalize it for ourselves and for our kids. Mm-hmm. Say those hard things don't have to feel so hard if we're building awareness around the context, what happened, mm-hmm. what could we do next time? Not in a grill back, right. in a circle back, in a neutral awareness building, loving little bubble mm-hmm. about whatever happened. Yeah. And I think you could say um, to this mom um, who has the kid who's going from zero to 100 and doing the back and forth, you can say, I'm just, I'm not always sure how, how to support you, how sometimes you, it seems like you want me to go and then you want me to stay. Is mm-hmm. there like a spot I could sit? Like, 
We could do like distance within a touch. We could have a plan where I'm creating some awareness. And so when it happens, then I can kind of do it and test it out. And, and even see if how he's like, goes. yeah, let's do that. And then in the moment, he's like, never mind. This but the, is terrible. These are emotion, okay. emotion process strategies that we can figure out after I've just helped you calm your body. And I think that that's the trick a lot of us fall into. We, we just don't know if our kids' regulation, the co-regulation that we're called to do in those moments when our kids really lose their shit, it, do we need to be close do we need to give them space? And I think that's the conversation we can keep having with them. And then we can continue to just be um, sensitive observers and realize what's working, what's not, what's helping them calm down versus what's inflaming them, right? Yeah. This is a two-way street. We're serving their needs right now when they're really struggling. We can't just have a one-size-fits-all approach or what ha- what worked last week. We have to be sensitive to their nervous systems and their their kind of developing needs. Yeah, it's such a big ask to be like constantly rejiggering, re- rejiggering, <laughs> recalibrating yeah. rather um, to our kids' needs and be like, okay, so it's a whole new world today. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a whole new world at noon. Okay. <laughs> um, someone says, my eight-year-old is very resistant. What is a dialogue I can have with her to figure out what's going on? I feel like my empathy sounds fake because I'm trying to really hide my upset. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of connected, finding, finding <clears throat> their their connection language mm-hmm. so you're you're working on your self-regulation but it feels like you're kind of putting on this empathy thing and and um and i think I, I mean maybe it sounds fake but is is the impact that way is is she responding to your empathy or is she feeling kind of uh, about it i think oftentimes when we switch up our game a little bit and we're like, I'm trying to empathize here and connect with my child. Mm-hmm. Maybe I used to do some other things that were less connective. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying something new. It takes a little while for the child to realize and connect mm-hmm. to this new way we're showing up. Yeah. Them. I think we, we had a DM recently for somebody who was trying, has been trying to run the resist approach lately for the last three months, I think she said. And she said that she gets stuck in the R and E steps because her son does the same thing. He's, I feel like he was more like five, but he says, mm-hmm. stop putting on that voice. Stop doing that voice, right. which is the empathize step of validating and acknowledging their feelings and listening and doing that. And I think that <clears throat> what we would recommend to both of these people is to just downshift to a more, um, warm, exuding presence of love and a presence of just dialing it back and just nodding. Mm-hmm. Nodding can be patronizing if you're like, mm-hmm. or it can just mm-hmm. be, I'm just, I'm here. I'm bearing witness when you're struggling, whatever it is, what, through your resistance, whatever it is. And you could just say very matter of factly, I hear you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's going to take practice mm-hmm. for, for you to say it and mean it and for your kid to hear it and believe it. Right. I think with really young kids, we can be doing a lot more translating their mm-hmm. feelings. Right. And I think as our kids get older, or if we're starting with older mm-hmm. kids doing this, it can feel very patronizing and controlling, even when we have the best of intentions. So I think we, I'm like, not mad. like you said, dialing it back healthy to the minimum mm-hmm. of saying, how can I show with my presence that I absolutely validate what's going on, mm-hmm. right? How can I use nonverbal communication in this moment? Because that is incredibly powerful because it's replacing maybe what I used to be doing, mm-hmm. right? And then in the moment or outside the moment with an eight-year-old later say, you were struggling the other day or something was going on for you. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to support you. What would work? What would help? I know I used to want to fix she things said it's around resistance. Stuff, I used to so. want to whatever. Yeah. What can I do? Right. And it seems so like you've been resisting brushing your teeth mm. lately or doing that math class homework. That's when we start the resist approach conversation instead of um, kind of an, um, what fe- might feel like a performative empathetic moment. Mm-hmm. We could just really say, I've noticed this. What's mm-hmm. going on? 
Right. Right. I think so often we can get in that empathy trap of like, just on the empathy kind of like loop, (laughs) the loophole where they're like, I don't want to do my homework. And you're like, you don't want to do your homework. You don't Mm want to whatever. And we're just kind of like going through the Mm -hmm. motions with empathy. And we have to remember that every kid has a different love language. Mm -hmm. So what is our kids love language in this empathize stuff that's going to help us connect with them and help them really feel seen and heard and maybe likely to collaborate with you and maybe move through their resistance um, into cooperation. So is that playing a game? Is it getting a little goofy? Is it rubbing them? Maybe their they love language is, is touch. Is it just giving them space? Maybe they take a while to process things. Is it getting official and having a family meeting and, and like a loving family meeting and saying these agreements and what are you wanting to do? How do you want to go about this? And we give you more agency. Mm -hmm. What's your eight year old needing and why are they resisting? Because just plain old empathy that you're thinking up in your mind, maybe just isn't enough. Maybe you need to think of their kind of empathy. Mm -hmm. I love that. Someone says, my husband has ADHD and gets super frustrated when the kids don't do what he wants them to immediately, or if he has to change his mind. He is on board with respectful parenting, but his ADHD and childhood trauma from his parents Mm -hmm. shutting down his feelings. He really struggles when our spirited child is defiant. Mm -hmm. How do I not be pushy with him or scold him for how he treats our daughter? Mm. That's so hard. Mm -hmm. I feel like almost every single episode, basically every episode we have uh, people writing in with with that same connection that they're struggling with, with a partner who, who has a short fuse, a partner who has trauma and had a certain upbringing and is working against that, even though they believe that this intellectually, intellectually, this respectful, positive approach and research-based approach to parenting works and is important. Mm -hmm. There's so much working against them. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what we did at least was go to therapy with our partners. That was very, we always mm-hmm. high five. Um, <laughs> that was really helpful to be able to bring up some of these things and to call some of these patterns out mm-hmm. and to bring our partners into a safe place of, we really want consistency. We want to feel connected through these challenges. What can we be doing <clears throat> to support each other in this instead of what, like you said, you don't want to be like, why aren't you this? Or why would you this? Mm-hmm. All those moments. Right. I think looking at our, to our partners as with the same compassion and grace uh, and optimism uh, in a long-term way that we look at our kids, right? Mm-hmm. Saying that we understand and respect where they're coming from and what they need based on the skills they currently have. Okay. And then what are we going to do about it? How are we going to use connection and innovation mm-hmm. and, and information and boundary setting, right? And trust this resist approach to, to move forward with them over time. It's not going to be a quick fix. Just like with our kids, it's not going to happen overnight. This is, this is years of cultural and and psychological conditioning that our partners are struggling to, to um, kind of rewire. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's a lot of work. And I think that every family and every partnership is going to, going to work differently. But I think that getting on the same page with a partner doesn't have to mean you're parenting the exact same way, but it's saying Mm -hmm. we feel connected about this Mm -hmm. moving in the same direction generally, Mm -hmm. and then helping one another with strategies and support. Mm -hmm. When he starts to go into, you know, creating awareness, for example, of his, his window of tolerance and realizing when he starts to go into red from green, that when it's pink before red, that's when he needs to turn around and walk out or, right. or call you for or help. call you for help. Mm-hmm. And then you take over and model and he self regs and watches, and watches. Mm-hmm. whatever you can possibly do yeah, or think- putting those, those demands that create that resistance that creates his um, upset 
onto you for now. And maybe he's just dealing with one at a time where he's building those skills mm-hmm. and not feeling like totally maxed out. Yeah. We talk about this in our caregiver clashes podcast episode. Yeah. And I think we have a couple Q and A's from that as well. So go back into our podcast archives or DM us and we'll send send you the link. But we mm-hmm. talk about all the ways basically from <clears throat> modeling, like we were just talking about to bringing up some skills like, Hey, I noticed that you seem to be struggling around this type of day or this, when the kid does this Mm -hmm. thing or with this belief that our kids being defiant. And I don't really believe that. And I'd love to talk with you about it Mm -hmm. to sharing more resources to sitting down for a more formal meeting of let's get on the same page. How are we going to get you feeling great? about this parenting thing? How are we going to get you feeling more connected to the kids through their, through their challenges all the way from that to therapy, the mm-hmm. whole range. And it really starts with what we talked about was Tina Fey style. Like what are your deal breakers? Like mm-hmm. what is really being like he's spanking and I just, it has to stop. Right. Or when he screams at them in these situations, it can't be everything. That is okay. the, the number one thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, someone said, Oh my God, my husband and I are listening to this together and really feel this last question. Yeah. And Laura Froyan jumps on and says, Ooh. yes, preach. We are a team. Even if we are different. And Laura, you guys all have to check mm-hmm. her out has a partner, like co-caregiver um, course, which um, we'd love to recommend. Um, so go check her out at, um, Laura Froyan PhD here on Insta. Mm-hmm. Andy says time heals all wounds. Well, most time can heal all wounds. If we're working, working at the same time, if yeah. we're able, yeah. if that's what this whole upbringing thing is about is growing up alongside our kids, pushing ourselves and our personal growth so that we can be a better service to our kids. Um, and ultimately be growing up alongside them, right? They mm-hmm. give us this, this chance, this big opportunity. All those big splashy feelings and challenging behaviors are asking us to level up our game. They're saying, mom, dad, grandma, whoever, I need you up here. I need you to be more patient, right? I need you to, to work on your innovation skills. I need you to be a little more empathetic and be a better listener. Mm-hmm. And everything we've been con- culturally conditioned to believe says, our kids shouldn't need anything from us, right? We should be able to say, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. All they need is a little bit of love at tuck in or a little bit of food and a little bit of a coat, you know, and some mm-hmm. shoes for the park. But the invisible work of parenting that we've discovered, which has been so hard, such a big pill to swallow is that there's so much that's invisible. That's, um, that's about emotion coaching. That's about scaffolding skills. That's about building those skills as we're helping our kids do it. Mm-hmm. That's been the hardest thing for sure. Mm-hmm. I think we've got time for one more question. Um, Live in Abundance had said, funny, this is about the, the child that was running away back and forth at the table. And we didn't know how old they were, but they are six. Wait, no, they're 19 no. months old. Oh, okay. But they've been, yeah. Okay. Funny, she's been feeding herself since she's been six months, but lately she wants to be fed. So that's okay. Okay. She needs connection. She eats the same time as us, just sometimes no spicy sauce. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, she just needs some connection to stay at that table and get into her booty mm-hmm. food. And then there was just one more question. Can we answer that, Kel? Just Which real one? real quick ado. My two and a half year old started not wanting to join me and my daycare kids in the daycare room. Any ideas on how you respectfully guide him to want to be there with us again? Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we got to dive in there to the need, mm-hmm. right? So immediately our, our thought is, what can I do to manipulate him to get him into the room? And instead of looking at the behavior and looking at that, how to motivate, thing, how am I going to motivate him? We're going to recognize that behavior saying, no, I don't want to go in the room as a symptom of a greater need. So we're going to put our little goggles on. We're going to go under the surface and we're going to figure out why doesn't he want to go? we're not going to be like, why do you want to go? Like, what's your problem? You love it in there. It's wonderful in there. We're going to say, oh, okay, what's going on? Why do you want to go? 
And I think that that's something that we deal with with a lot of our kids. They're like, no, I won't go to school or I'm never seeing grandma again. Yeah, or right? something they've been doing and hanging with. They all, like, of all, all of a sudden don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. And I think the more we can work that empathize step and respect step really and just being like, tell me, okay, okay, why? Like, and not saying, but why, but why? But really with an accepting tone saying, I hear that. <clears throat> We don't have to grant it. We don't have to make it be. Mm -hmm. We can, we can say, I hear you. I validate that impulse mm -hmm. to change things up for you. Oh, I just want to learn why share, share a little, if mm -hmm. you can here to listen. Yeah. What are you needing? Maybe noticing, seeing mm -hmm. maybe through play. I think mm -hmm. oftentimes, you know, two and a half year old can't be like, well, I'm going to sit down and have a real conversation with mom about my Here's grievances my list. about this daycare situation, which maybe mom, I, I got to tell you, I'm feeling a little um, jealous. The time you spend with these yeah. uh, other daycare kids. I just want you for myself. Um, also the naps are too long. The snacks are too short. Um, right. just here, I'm going to slide it on a piece of paper yeah. to you across the table. Like our two and a half year old doesn't know that. So they're not aware of those things. So that's what we're helping them become aware of through sensitive observation when they're leaving the room, what time that happens and through connection and, about it and just being okay about it and, and nurturing and finding a way mm -hmm. connecting with them and saying, so you're not wanting to be with everybody here. So here's this area that totally works and it's safe. And, mm -hmm. or I wish you could go upstairs right now, but we need you to be with all of us so that we can all be together. Oh, I wish. Right. Yeah, so just say resist approach before the, the fact of him actually needing to be there. And then during, if he's resisting yeah. it, if he's having trouble and wanting to leave and not wanting to be with everyone. <clears throat> yeah. I would mm -hmm. say just run the resist approach. You can download it for free on our website. Mm -hmm. if you haven't before. Yeah. And then lastly, I think we had a, a mom with a 12 year old who was feeling like they broke trust with her that she said mm -hmm. vaping and lying. Um, and I'm sorry that's happening. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so stressful. And I think it can feel so, um, uh, disappointing alienating. and alienating when you're like my 12 year old, like there's this, this feeling of deceit where that feel, like you mentioned, it feels like they broke your trust, right? Mm -hmm. You were trusting them to go with a friend or, or go check in with a neighbor. And then you come to find out that they were doing something that you don't feel like is healthy, right? Mm -hmm. The worst. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that we have to remember that we have to be separating our feelings about our child, right? From our responsibilities for our child. Right. And I think that so young and, and that's all, all of these feelings we have and the, the disappointment, the worry, the fear, all of those things are incredibly important to get in touch with and to process with a listening partner, with a, you know, um, with a, uh, a co-parent, mm -hmm. um, in your journal, with a therapist, whoever feels safe to you. But I think that then there's a separate agenda. So that's your personal agenda in moving through this struggle and, mm -hmm. and getting clear on it and understanding kind of what to do next. Mm -hmm. And then there's the relationship. That's your relationship kind of with yourself as a mm -hmm. parent. And there's a relationship you have with your child, which is different. That's, that's not the stuff you want to be putting on her, the disappointment, the anger, mm -hmm. the trust, and which is so natural to do. But yeah. we, we have to keep remembering what our, what our job is, is to, to really be supporting and using our connection, right? Yeah. To foster that trust. I think that that trust is the name of the game and not necessarily always on our kids' side. Yeah. And when our kids, it's not quote, reciprocal when our kids always. quote unquote, break our trust, we don't want to act in a way that breaks theirs. Mm -hmm. Right. So we want to, we want to always be that steadfast. I'm on your side person, right? We could still be their mom and say, this is just you and me. I noticed you were kind of vaping and you didn't say you were. And they're like, no, I wasn't. And you were like, yeah, I saw that thing that you were. And, um, what, what's going on? I thought we kind of said no vaping. Right. And in our minds, we're like, what? 
why, Mm -hmm. how could they do this to me? These are all the things like you said, Hannah, we journal about, we talk to our partner about, we scream on the phone to our mother about all these things, but we always want our kids to know that they're, whatever they do is going to be okay with us because we want them to be able to share those things. We want to be the safe place for them, (laughs) right? That's what the challenge is with kids. Mm -hmm. And especially with these older kids, it is so counterintuitive to think the worse their behavior, the more lovingly we need to show up. What? Say what? Right? So the worse their kids, totally our kids' behavior, their behavior is a sign of struggle, of trying to meet a need, mm-hmm. of, of um, indecision or peer pressure, something going on, right? All of their behaviors are coming from a real place. Mm-hmm. And if we want to be actually able to support our kids in the long term, we have to create a safe space and a positive association around being that person. And around it's fucking so hard. Up. Like we have to, yeah. it's so hard. Um, the book, hold on to your kids by Gordon Newfeld is it one I'd recommend. Um, that's just so great because they, they talk about that, how we have to be that safe, secure place where kids can be honest and show up in all their messiness with all of their mistakes mm-hmm. and feel unconditionally loved and seen mm-hmm. and supported, right? So that they will continue to come back to us rather than go to a peer group. Mm-hmm. So your 12 year old is very young. Sure. They're young to be vaping. Maybe I don't even know. We have mm-hmm. kids, uh, four through seven. So we have no idea. And that's why mm-hmm. I love hearing about these things. Like, okay, so that's something a 12 year old might be doing is vaping. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, it's not about the vaping. It's about your relationship with your child. So mm-hmm. keep focusing on your relationship mm-hmm. and showing them that you are, you are there for her. Mm-hmm. You want to be on her side. You want to understand what's going on. Right. You, you want to be there and be that person that she's going to come and be like, so this guy at school. Or so mm-hmm. this, um, this cheating situation that I've gotten kind of embroiled in. That's what's so, or, what's so funny. Is, you know, I always think about this. How is the mom? Can I actually act like the cool aunt <laughs> right? how? Totally. or the godmother who's like being like, Oh my God, too many margaritas been there. Yeah. Right. That's what we all want well, is that safe landing place. It feels really like we're condoning behavior. Mm-hmm. If we show up in a loving way for it, but yeah. we're not. Our kid is going to do what they're going to do anyway, mm-hmm. but we want them to continue to come back, to return, yeah. to return. And, and we don't want to ever underestimate the power of our influence, yeah. not our control-based can do, can't do, gotta do, mm-hmm. but our influence and in saying, oh yeah, you were doing that. How's that working? Okay. Have you, have you read some of the things about vaping stuff? And, or my concern is just, you know, the smoke stuff for your lungs, but you have this a choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she's probably going to vape unless you lock her in her room, right? It's just so hard. Right. But yeah, but how can we be that neutral person and be modeling those things? I feel so good when I'm healthy. I'm I'm trying to make these these decisions that feel good for my body and my spirit. Chances are that she might be vaping, though, just because that's what her friends are doing. So mm -hmm. it's a peer pressure situation. So I think continuing to support her and show up and Mm -hmm. say, I actually need to be an incredibly um, supportive person about this friend circle so that I can help her build awareness Mm -hmm. and and reflection and confidence in setting boundaries for herself or in in saying these friends this and processing Mm -hmm. all of that. We can storytell in in that thinking about our influence and our modeling. We can be like, yeah, just out of the moment. I remember I was remembering this story. Remember Aunt Leslie? She's just my friend, but we call her Aunt Leslie. She and I were out one time and this and this and this. That's when we can like, when our kids are a little older like that, we can really lean on the power of our storytelling, pulling out pictures, going through stuff. Um, even if it's a little transparent, that's okay. I was noticing you're kind of with your girl gang out there. 
I had one too. Can I tell you mm-hmm. some stories about it? Not like cautionary tales, asking but questions about her girl gang. You mm-hmm. said definitely peer pressure is part of it. Yes. The return, mm-hmm. but I think just saying I I'm an ally with you. I'm not getting in between you and your friends. I'm not in between you and your life. Mm-hmm. I want to be an ally with it. I want to be a resource. Mm-hmm. I want to be a safe place to come back to. And I think 12 year olds too, you love the storytelling idea, but mm-hmm. if they're a little bit like they, they kind of sniff that out or feel a little sensitive mm-hmm. about it. I think even being direct through writing with a 12 year old mm-hmm. could work. So let's say you guys had a blow up about this and you were like, you broke my trust. Mm-hmm. You're not going out with them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you responded the way you would naturally feel. You need I, to make better choices. <clears throat> you can't be doing this again. Mm-hmm. You right. told me you wouldn't period. Right. Making this choice that she made about your relationship when it's really just about her trying to survive and meet her needs as a 12 year old in this social situation pandemic that's going on. Right. Um, so what could the letter be about? Really? It, it could just say like, I responded in this way and I wish I'd just listened a little bit more. It surprised me and it made me feel worried. And I just, I want to be the mom that, that you come and talk to. And I'm going to work on my response where mm-hmm. I trust that you might try things and you might have these experiences, but that you're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And I know that you know what that, that is and, and that you're a good person. If you and ever want to talk about any of those things with me, you won't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm here to just always listen no matter what. Right. So I, I think that when our kids quote unquote break trust with us, it's our job to reestablish trust by telling them. No, no, no. It's there. You didn't have to hide this. You didn't have to lie to me. You're not going to get in trouble, which is so scary for us to be like, Mm -hmm. oh God, we have to use control to teach. But we Mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. Yeah. She said navigating between two households. That's a big stressor too. Mm -hmm. These are all great ideas. Yeah. You're doing an amazing job. Thank you for, for blazing the trails for us with younger kids. Um, it's, it's so helpful to us, um, to know that what, what goes on with older kids, right? But again, oh, it's all, no matter what the age, it's all about using connection over control. Connection is what will change behaviors. Connection is what will create growth. And connection trust. is what will build a self-concept that is strong and resilient for this world, mm-hmm. right? All of the magic lies in connection over correction. That is our kind of our bottom line here. Oh God, we got to go. Oh, some people asked oh. to go live. I'm oh, sorry, but go live with any of you. Sorry. Um, we're here. On. We're we here. see you. You're doing an amazing job. You're not alone. We're all in this together. We're all growing up mm-hmm. together. Thanks for all the hearts too. Yeah. <laughs> you feel really good. Head over to our website to download our free spirited or strong-willed kid guide. Yes. It's just really like a bunch of phrases that we try to say, a bunch of mantras that we try to run through our heads when we're in, in the heat of the moment, stressing, trying to remember that all we have to do is stay cool and calm, keep the relationship strong, keep everybody physically safe. And then save a little bit of teaching for later, especially with those spirited, sensitive kids that are like, feel that they, yeah. they're ready for a power struggle. If we bring power in a way that we shouldn't, if we bring power in a way that is dominating, that is unilateral, that is not democratic and loving. Right. Yeah. So that's our work. Someone says, thank you both. You're incredible in a lifeline. <clears throat> thank you. Connection over correction. Love it. Yeah. Great. Glad that resonates. We're here. We're here. Someone asked <clears throat> how often usually we're here Tuesday and Thursday at five ish PM uh, yeah. Pacific on, time on Instagram. And then yes. these episodes <clears throat> are replayed on the podcast every Monday and Wednesday. Sometimes yeah. Thursday. We love our pod yeah. community too. Yeah. All right, Thank everyone. Hang in there. So Happy weekend. Thank you for booing us mm-hmm. in our struggles as well. We just feel like we're, we're all in this together. We're really all growing up together and it means a lot that you're here yeah. thinking about these things. You're doing the work. Yeah. 
So thanks for being here. We'll see you all on Tuesday. Bye.